Judges chapter 20 is where we're at. If you'll remember with me, what we've been given in the book of Judges is a perfect picture, a perfect example that was laid out for you and I of what it looks like to become apostate, to walk away from God's provision, to walk away from God's power, to have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof. God continues to call people back. God continues to call his church back. God has raised up leaders over generations in the church to, to bring revivals and bring people back to him. And here he raised up what's called judges, which means deliverers, uh, saviors. And at the end of all of this, he had the perfect man in Samson. And Samson could not deliver the nation because man cannot deliver man. It was always pointing forward to Jesus, who would be the deliverer. You know, the, even the nation of Israel used to sing, my deliverer is coming. I think it's so important that we remember the word deliverer. It's the same word as salvation, soteria. It should be called the doctrine of deliverance, not the doctrine of salvation. Because it's about delivering us. And we've lost this, and we wear salvation like it's a necklace or some type of costume jewelry. We talk about it like it's some simple word, but it's deliverance from hell, deliverance from the wrath of God. That's what salvation is. And God delivered the nation of Israel, and yet they continued to forget him. They continued to ignore him. They continued to do their own thing, and they ended up dead in the wilderness. Then the second generation he raises up. He delivers them across the Jordan into the, the, the promised land that he had promised his, their fathers. And he says, deal with the, the ites in the land. Start to work on the things that are in the land and pick up your inheritance. Grab your inheritance and live in it. And we see they would do it for a minute and then they would go apostate. And then God would raise up an enemy to attack their, their, their nation. And then with that battle, which when you have battles, don't be mad. Battles are good. Battles are good. But we're taught in our nation that there's sicknesses and their pain and, and that we should get, get rid of them. And life's supposed to be entertaining. And life's supposed to be happy. And life's supposed to be one big vacation. That's a life from the pit of hell. Battles are there because we ignore God, and, and, and when the battle comes, it's so that we'll cry out to God, Help, Lord, what cares thou not that I perish? And he reaches out and he grabs you. Sometimes he takes longer to do it, and you go, Hurry, Lord, hurry. And he's saying, I want you to remember this time. I want you to remember this place. I want you to remember this sin. I want you to remember what you've allowed into your life. So you'll grow through this. In fact, Proverbs 12, 23, am I correct? 12, 23 says anxiety in the heart of a man causes depression, but a good word will make it glad or lift him up. 12, 25, I apologize. Anxiety in the heart of a man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. Listen to me. The word depression is not what we look at it as today. See, it should, it should cause you to go to your knees and cry out to God. 
when there's something anxious or worry or there's a problem in your life. And if it doesn't make you cry out to God for help, it will make you depressed in your spirit. And it will keep you under its oppression until you do cry out to God and trust him for the deliverance. But, you know, from faith to faith, as he talks about it, you continue to trust in God. You know how it gets easier to trust in God? You know, like when you, think, about, think back when you were learning to tie your shoe. I know, I'm old, I can't remember that. Uh, think back something easier. You're trying to learn something. And you're like, this is impossible, I'll never get this. And then you keep doing it, and all of a sudden it becomes second nature. It becomes so easy to do. It, it just becomes what you do. And it's the same thing with the life of faith. Although you don't want to get so comfortable, you forget who you're trusting in, who you're worshiping, what it's all about, the power of God unto salvation. But you have to begin to practice your faith, practice trusting in God, practice waiting on God, practice reading the word of God, practice believing the word of God. And I don't mean that like you're faking it till you're making it. You're, you're, you're building this relationship all the while in your prayer life you're asking God to help you trust him listen the Bible says Christ's perfect love cast out all fear yet we have a nation full of people who are afraid of things think about it I, I don't know what you're afraid of you're probably afraid of something you're worried to death about getting the rent paid or worried that you're afraid but God's perfect love cast out all that. You can trust him. You can rest in him. You can sit in the chair and lift your legs up and say, I am going to kick back spiritually knowing that I've been set free to run this race and follow God. But running the race is all about handing out the gospel. It's all about your act of faith. Well, the nation of Israel, they quit doing that. And you remember, when we got to the end of it, they set up their own religious system. They stole Levites, who were supposed to be the priests, but they weren't where they were supposed to be, doing what they were supposed to do. So they were hired and told what to do. That's the church today. We have hirelings everywhere. Not picking on people that have it for a career. But we, un we need to understand that many times, if it's your livelihood and you're trusting on getting a paycheck... Then you say the things that keep the people happy so that they'll keep coming and putting money in the plate so that you have a paycheck. And, and, and you know what? I purposely don't know how much money is given at this church. Excuse me. I purposely don't know who's giving money at the church. Because if I knew how much money you were giving and you were giving more than other people, I would probably whine and dine you and say, hey, let's go hang out. Let me call you on the phone and talk to you. I purposely don't know that. I want to be able to treat people the same way. So whether you tithe or give or do whatever you do, I don't know. And frankly, I don't care. That's your spiritual act of worship with God. It's all about you. But you know what? It's apostasia not to give back to God after he gave so much to us. It's, it's the act of apostasy. People argue about it in churches. Give, some, give to somebody. Give it to your neighbor. I don't care who you give to, but God gave himself away so we should be a giving people because of his gift of grace to us. I don't care who you give to, but you are missing out on a lot because you're trusting that if I keep this money, if I just keep this, I'll be okay. And you're missing out on God's blessing 
from heaven because you don't trust him. And it's a little bitty step of faith where you begin to trust him. And when you draw near to God, he draws near to you. You just begin to trust a little bit, faith by faith. You just begin to trust a little bit. And you keep doing that, and it grows. And you have to take small steps. But you know what? If you do the opposite direction, you walk clear away from God. And you end up in apostasia with some type of a pious religious system. And you feel good about yourself because you still go on Sunday or whatever you do. Whether it's helping old ladies across the street. I talked to a lady this afternoon and she was actually raised in a house with an atheist dad. And so she really has no belief in a God. She doesn't believe there's a heaven and a hell. And I said, yes, you do. I get in trouble. I get fired from my job, I guess. But I said, yes, you do. Because she does. And I said, and your dad had a, if he was an atheist, he had a religious system himself. He believed in other people and other things. And, and so I said, you need to know that if you just curl up with your Bible and read the book of John, God loves you and he's calling you to live for him. And you, you should do that. And if you don't, then you're just trying to hide God from your life and you want to continue in your life. And I hope I didn't offend you because I like my job. I got to take care of my family. So I didn't. It wasn't exactly like that, but it was it was kind of like that. So <clears throat> listen, what did apostasy end up like? Well, to me, it looked a lot like Sodom and Gomorrah. Okay? To me, this story that we read in chapter 19 looks like something you could open up the paper tomorrow or turn on the news tomorrow and you would read happened in the nation in, in America today. Remember, these people are just traveling, and they go, oh, hey, let's go over here and get us a soda pop. Let's find a place to sleep and get a motel. And these perverted men bang on the door and try to get the guy to come out, and he, and he won't come out. So they end up getting his wife or his concubine. And, and they all sleep with her all night long until she dies. That could be, I'm telling you right now, it could be on the newspaper tomorrow morning that this happened in any place in America, any place USA, because we've walked away from God. And what did we talk about before? When you walk away, it doesn't start with, well, look what our government's doing. No, it starts with your heart and my heart. It starts in small town America in the seat that you're setting in, and then it moves to your family. And then that, those values go out to your neighborhood, and your neighborhood's values go out to your city, and your city's neighbor values go out to your, to your state all the way out <clears throat> until we start electing officials who have no morality whatsoever. They don't care about God. So to me, it's kind of refreshing, no matter how he acts, when you have a president that says, <clears throat> we were all made in one image by Almighty God. It's refreshing to me when somebody says, we need to think about God. It's just refreshing. Now, he could be the Antichrist, but we need to understand that it is. That's where it started at. It didn't start with the government. It started with the people. And God gives us rulers according to the people's hearts. And the people's hearts have went all the way away from God when you get to chapter 19. When you get here, they've got this, this crazy, and, and, and the theme is uh, uh, there was no king in Israel. So everyone did what was right in their own eyes. <clears throat> Where is that at? 1925? 
No. So my brain failed me. It's in a couple, three places here. It becomes the theme in the last part when they go buck wild. No, I know it's in the, oh, it's, it's 19.1. No king in Israel. That's not it. And everyone does what's right in their own eyes. We'll see it in our reading. So it's the same thing that's going on in our nation. We have church after church after church, but there's no king. No king. Jesus on the throne because we're all chasing after everything else. Everywhere. We're chasing after everything except for Jesus who wants us to win souls and take the word of God to people for reconciliation. <clears throat> so this man, this Levite, gets home, and you'll see it in verse 1930, uh, and he cuts up the body of his wife and sends her to all 12 tribes. And the people see this. Listen, 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 listen. It was bad enough, bad enough that this lady was murdered in such a horrific way. But then her own husband, with no love, cuts her up into pieces and nails her. Where's, where, where's a, a nice burial? Where's, where's let, let me take care of my loving wife who just died. See, there's no king, so everybody just does what's right in their own eyes. This is what I think's right. They killed her, I'm going to mail her to everybody. I'm going to hack her into pieces and send her out, chip her out, UPS. Think about what's going on, because there's nobody listening to King Jesus. In this case, nobody following the law. And they see this, and they say, what are we going to do? No such deed has ever been done in the land. Well, you know one thing they didn't do? They didn't fall on their faces and pray and say, Lord, this, this has never happened before. You know, just like when the Twin Towers come down in America. You know what? People didn't fall on their face and pray. Now, I know there was a remnant because churches filled up for a couple weeks, and then they started to slowly drift back when their houses didn't blow up. They started leaving the church. But what did they start doing? They started slapping stickers on the back of their trucks that says, American Pride, we will rebuild. It should, have been, it should have been America humbles itself and begins to pray. Because when God allows an attack from a more evil nation, it's because he's bringing judgment. That's what happened in the book of Judges. He would bring an evil nation that was much worse than his own people to attack them. And it was to get their attention so they would cry out. And then he could come in and save the day with a deliverer. But they were supposed to return to him. And what would they do? A couple weeks later, they go right back to what they were doing because now everything's okay. Everything's safe. So they didn't cry out to God. They did say, hey, this ain't ever happened. Things are getting bad around here. What are we going to do? Let's have a meeting. So all the children of Israel, chapter 20, listen, this says all the children. I don't believe it's emphatic, but there's a bunch of people that went to this meeting. I don't know if you was in church when the Twin Towers came down 16 years ago. But when we went to prayer meeting that night, 
It was no longer 17 people there. Like 70 people showed up to our little bitty church because they were scared to death. So God allows things to happen so you'll pray, not so you'll turn to yourself. So all the children of Israel, Israel means governed by God. So all the children of those governed by God came out from Dan to Beersheba. Now Dan was the northern tribe. Beersheba was the southern. So that's the way they used to say all the nation of Israel. It means from top to bottom, north and south, everybody come out. All of a sudden, this caused some great unity because some crazy stuff happened. As well as from the land of Gilead. <clears throat> Notice it doesn't have Jabez Gilead. There's a distinction between the two. We'll see that. Chapter 21. And the Ecclesia. <clears throat> that's not what it really is, but that's what that means. The congregation is the Hebrew word for Ecclesia which means the church or the gathering. The ecclesia or the congregation gathered together as one man before the Lord in Mizpah. And that's what the church does on Sunday. We gather together. That's, the, that's actually the word that Paul used if he was here Sunday in the <coughs> gathering together of the saints for the word for rapture. Poof, harpazo pulled us out at Mizpah. Remember Mizpah? Anybody remember Mizpah? <coughs> Remember that was the rock that Jacob put up with Laban? Was it Laban, his father-in-law, that chased him all that way? And the idols were hid underneath uh, uh, one of his wives, whatever her name was. And then they, and it was a rock. It was a watchtower. It was a place of watching. This rock is a witness. If you do anything bad to my daughters, you're in trouble. <coughs> and they weren't going to cross those lines. So this is Mizpah. And so all the people come there. And then they took the leaders of all the people and all the tribes of Israel, presented themselves in the assembly of the people of God, 400,000 foot soldiers who drew the sword. Now the children of Benjamin heard that the children of Israel had gone up to Mizpah. So the children of Benjamin said, hey, these people are all meeting about this that happened. They know what happened. They're all meeting. All right. So they know what's going on. Then the children of Israel said, tell us how did this wicked deed happen? All these people, they're like, what is going on? Now, I don't think it was very organized because they're not, they're, they're, they're in confusion. They're in chaos. They're trying to figure out what's going on. But they want to investigate. Why did everybody get a piece of a corpse mailed to them? We need to know what's going on. And there wasn't much explanation with it, even though there was a note. So the Levite, the husband, notice that he's called the husband here. It's concubine about three or four times. Here he's called the husband of the woman who was murdered. Answer. Notice God calls it murder. That's what it was. It was murder. Answered and said, my concubine, and I went into Gibeah, which belongs to Benjamin, to spend the night. And the men of Gibeah rose against me. Notice who they were raising against was against him. I don't know if you noticed it, but that's what's going on in our nation today. And we're going to get more into this in a minute. But if you're, if you're a white Christian male, our nation is rising against white people and white Christian males. For some reason, it, it, we're all one human race. Listen, there's only one race and we're all a bunch of different shades of brown. But we've been duped into thinking that there's different races and that other races are better or worse than others and it's a lie from the pit of hell. There's only one race, so don't let nobody lie to you. 
It's a human race, and the human race needs to come to know Jesus. And when they don't, they, they, they go into chaos, and they believe anything when they don't listen to the truth. And they're being led by a media that's telling them a bunch of lies. And they, they like it because we like mob mentality. We want, to, we want to stand for this, and we want to be involved in something. So you're seeing a lot of chaos going on in America, but it all comes from mob mentality. It doesn't come from the Spirit of God. We'll get back to that point in a minute. They rose against and intended to kill him. But instead they ravaged my concubine so that she died. Notice their intent. Him. They surrounded the house. Him. It was nighttime. Him. So I took hold of my concubine, cut her in pieces, and sent her throughout all the territory of the inheritance of Israel because they committed lewdness and outrage in Israel. Look, all of you are children of Israel. Give your advice and counsel here now. Notice once again, they didn't go to God because they're apostate. They're ruling themselves. There's no king in Israel and everyone does what's right in their own eyes. See, and we've been trained in America to do the same thing. To ignore the word of God, we're much more intelligent than that now. We have higher schools of higher learning. We can figure these things out. We don't need God to figure it out. There's a problem here. They've all massed together because they know there's a problem. Somebody died. We've got to solve the murder, find out why. Somebody has to pay. But they aren't asking God, and they're supposed to be the people of God. So they're going to come to the wrong conclusion about things when you start off without God. And that's what our nation is quickly doing. And that's quickly what people want to do. The devil wants to get God out of our nation, to get the wisdom of God and the truth of God and the ways of God and the morality of God out of our nation. And they've been successful in doing that. They've been successful in silencing the church. The church is supposed to be out with their faith, acting out their faith by telling people about the word of God so that morality wouldn't change into this existence that we have now. And they've silenced the church. And even though we say we're not ashamed of the gospel, what we talk about shows that we are ashamed of the gospel. How we allow people to sit around and live the way they're living and we continue to have fellowship with them proves we are ashamed of the gospel. Because when somebody is living in a wrong way and we say nothing about it or we don't separate ourselves from their wrong ways, we approve of their ways. That's what the Bible teaches. We're going to go there in a minute, too. It's the rest of Romans 1. <clears throat> That's why the only people that are the enemy right now is those who are actually following the Bible and trusting in God's Word. Listen, when I tell you this about the Word of God, I'm not telling you what I've come to believe or made up or, 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 or I think. I'm telling you what the Word of God says. This is what God believes. This is what God says. This is God's Word. Now, you can read it a different way and twist it into some other box, and many churches have done that, and they've approved of the things that are evil, and they've made evil good and good evil just as Isaiah said they would. But that ought not to be the people who have a love relationship with Jesus. But it is the apostasia. 
they came, as you remember from the story, they wanted to have sex with him. And he threw his concubine out there. No respect for his wife or woman, whoever she was. That's our culture today. We have no respect for women. We've thrown them all out and said, go get a job. We've thrown them out of the house where they should have been taking care of the children. That's where God put them. Oh, yeah, I get in trouble for this, but it's still the truth. They're supposed to be taking care of the family, and the man is supposed to be the leader. The man is supposed to be the worker. The man is supposed to be taking care of the home. But we don't care because we're way in apostasia. So all the people arose, it's verse 8, Judges 20, as one man. You see the unity? Now they're in unity over murder. Now they're in unity, but they don't have God with their unity. They need God with their unity to win the war. And we're going to go to war, and we're going to see that they get defeated until they come to unity with God. It's oneness with God, not oneness with people. That's what the world is trying to get us to do, to come to some oneness together as a one-world government. That's the Tower of Babel all over again. One world government. I learned this week that Babel is Hebrew for Babylon. Which we know that the rise of Babylon is coming. And it's going to be. It's, just, it's probably a spiritual kingdom, but it's actually happening on earth. So all the people arose as one man, saying, None of us will go to his tent, nor will any turn back to his house, but now this is the thing which we will do to Gibeah. So they're going to go punish on their own. We will go up against it by lot. We will take ten men of every hundred throughout all the tribes of Israel, a hundred of every thousand, and a thousand of every ten thousand, to make provision for the people. And when they come to Gibeah and Benjamin, they may repay all the vileness that they have done in Israel. So all the men of Israel were gathered against the city, united together as one man. Now listen, listen, because this is very important. They were supposed to be united as one man worshiping God, following God, and taking the land. They did that when they first went in, then they split into tribes. They were supposed to be united in their tribes, taking the whole land of their inheritance. And now this crazy thing has happened. They've left God, and now they're going to try to do it in their own strength and deal with sin in the camp. It's the same thing going on in the church today. Listen, but notice what they did know, something that we should know, that when somebody in Israel did this, it affected all of them. Listen, it's a very good truth in the body of Christ. When somebody's allowed to just live in sin, their heart is not turned any way but to sin, and they don't care. They shouldn't be in the church body. Paul says to, to discontinue fellowship with them. Now, I'm not talking about somebody that's stumbling or somebody that's, that's, that's trying to live for God. But when you say, no, I can do what I want to do, then you should be removed from fellowship in the church. If you're not going to come underneath leadership and underneath the word of God, then you have to be removed from fellowship or you're affecting the rest of the body of Christ. <clears throat> and they see that. They see that. They know they have to deal with this even in their flesh. So they pick these men. They're united as one. In verse 12, when the tribes of Israel sent men through all the tribe of Benjamin, saying, what is this wickedness that has occurred among you? So they go throughout the tribe saying, hey, this happened, this happened. What's going on? Now, therefore, deliver up the men... 
the perverted men who are in Gibeah, that we may put them to death and remove the evil from Israel. But the children of Benjamin would not listen to the voice of their brethren, to the children, the children of Israel. Instead, the children of Benjamin gathered together from their cities to Gibeah to go to battle against the children of Israel. Listen, instead of saying, okay, we'll deal with this. You're right. This was terrible. What did they do? They said, nope, civil war. They said, nope, we're going to battle. Nope, glove up. We're not going to do that. You're not the boss of me. There's no king in Israel. We do what we want to do. We don't care if everybody else is against us. We're still going to do it. Listen. Listen, it's going on in our culture. There's been a war declared, a civil war, against worldviews. And, and you can say, oh, no, no, no. We just need to leave them alone. We just need to muzzle the, the, the dog that's being nice. That's what they want to do. They want the church to shut up. They want us to stop preaching morality. And the LBGTQ community to be able to do whatever they want to do. They want marriage to be whatever they want to be. They want morality to be whatever they want it to be. And if you say something, then you're at war with them. And you're the one that has to shut up. That's what the Benjamites are saying here. No, this is what we wanted to do. This is the way we're living. We didn't do anything wrong. Glove up. We'll go to war. And it's where we're at as a society. Now, I don't believe that there's a big amount of them. I believe there's a spiritual power behind it. I believe there's a very small minority but they've taken control of the media. They've taken control of a lot of things. And they're preaching this in our schools. They're teaching it in kindergarten now. They're not just teaching it in high school. We need to wake up as parents. I believe we should boycott schools. And that's just my opinion. I don't believe we should put our kids in a school that's teaching a worldview of, of evolution. It's teaching a worldview of, of gender fluidity to, and teaching all these things. In Minnesota, they even took a child from it, help a child be emancipated from its own parents so that they could actually take them and get them a sex change. And this is where you've went too far. You've turned the schools into indoctrination stations that are training in evil. Sure, they're still teaching math. Sure, they're still teaching somewhat relevant science, but it's fake science. Sure, they're still teaching English, but it doesn't matter how good you can speak the English language if you die and go to hell. It doesn't matter if your morality is lost and you're ignoring God and you won't read the Bible. And we're teaching them to read all the books, uh, all the great books, all the great literature about revenge. You know what I mean? And there's some great literature about war and murder and men taking and getting and you get what you want. Think about think about the books. Oh, my brain just hurts. I need to quit going there. It's you guys, right you guys are getting me into parents trouble. Parents' hands are never tied. God loosens hands. The cross is freedom. The cross is freedom. Your hands are untied. All parents' hands are untied. Sometimes we feel like we can't, but you know what? No education. Well, you mean teach a child at home. To wake up and see. And then, I mean, I don't, and I believe that we can't always preach 
I mean, I don't believe that we should not preach the Bible, but because we ask the government to become a nonprofit organization, then they may control some of our speech. Do you see what I mean? No. I see what I'm saying. I'm not arguing. It's not true. They have none. Of, they 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 control they control none of my speech. I'm not arguing. My tongue is freed by the cross of Christ. I know you're not arguing, but they they don't control any of our speech. There's this never been controlled. And what they do is they lie to us and say that they have control of our speech. But we're not ashamed of the gospel, just like Paul. Even if they kill us, we're going to preach the truth because Christ has given us the, the gospel. Christ has given us his spirit. Christ has given us his truth. They didn't give it to us, so they can't take it away. But what they do is when they say they gave you something, then they want more control of you. And, but they can't have control of your home unless you give it to them. They can't have control of your kids unless you hand it to them. And even if you have to put your kids in school, you can also teach them the truth at home. But we, we don't even take them to church. We don't even give them one week. We don't give them anything of God. You have to empower them as a person. Right? Yeah, we've been, we've been lied to so long that we are... Um, that we're living just like the nation of Israel here in confusion to where we think we have to deal with it instead of just resting in the work of God that he's already done. Um, so these tribes declare a civil war and there's, there's a liar in our nation that's declaring a civil war right now. And I'm telling you right now, they are causing the civil war on purpose. And if you've been watching TV at all, in Charlottesville, and I don't mean, I'm not being political, I'm being biblical. There's people that are actually blogging that actually watch the same people that were fighting get off the same buses where they were bused into Charlottesville. They watch the same people in different clothing, the black hoods, and then, and then the other white supremacists get off the same bus. They were all bused in there to start the trouble that they started, to make everybody think that our nation is in chaos, and it's not in chaos the way that they're trying to, to teach us something. And then turn around and make our president a racist. They're creating this lie. And that's what the devil does. He creates a lie in your life. And you believe it because you're not listening to the power of God. The word of God. The truth of God. And so you believe that fake lie. And it defeats you. The devil fights with lies. He creates the fear. But Christ is perfect. Love casts out fear. He creates all the lie. And you look at it and go, I can't get over that mountain. If you, have, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, the smallest seed on the planet, you can get over the mountain. You can ask the mountain to be moved. But we have to believe this cross, not just say we believe it. We have to begin to trust in it. And this truth will tear down the lie. It destroys it. It, it takes it and just literally crashes it to the ground and anything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. But we have to begin to believe it and stop listening to the false narrative of the world, of the liar. So they declare civil war. You know, if we would enter into God's <coughs> war against evil instead of against one another, do you know the, the work we could do? By just resting in the cross, the finished work of Christ, by just resting and telling people about Jesus, instead of, instead of making everything a battle, they're going to fight a battle. 
Watch what happens. And from their cities at that time, the children of Benjamin numbered 26,000 men who drew the sword, besides the inhabitants of Gibeah, who numbered 700 select men. So 26,700 men against, or was it 400,000 foot soldiers up there in verse 2? They're pretty much outnumbered. Among all these people were 700 select men who were left-handed. Everyone could sling a stone at a hair's breadth and not miss. These are some skilled people, talented. You know, and this is this is again the narrative that you have out here uh, in our world, in, in on the planet because of the devil. Are you going to listen to somebody teaching the Bible? Or are you going to listen to the professors at Harvard and Yale and all these other places? They write books and they and they have PhDs after their name and they have all this other evidence and all this other story that they are purporting. Or are you going to believe the truth of God? It, it's not about whether you can sling a stone right-handed and left-handed. It's not about how good you are. It's about do you believe the power of God and the salvation and trust in his provision? See, the people of Benjamin are going to trust in their intellect and in their strength and in their might. They're going to trust in how they can, they're so good at this, 700 of them can actually do all of these things. These, they can, what is that, split a hair? They can sling a stone at a hair's breadth and not miss. I mean, this is Beverly Hillbilly stuff, shooting flies off the front wall. You know, these guys are that good with a stone. You remember what, what David did? A lot of these guys were trained for war. But they're warring in the wrong side. They're not warring by resting in Christ's finished work of the cross. They're not warring in doing the word of reconciliation. They're fighting over worldviews. They're fighting over sin. They're fighting without the power of God, and they're going to come to death. Then the children of Israel rose and went up to the house of God to inquire of God. They said, which of us shall go up first to battle against the children of Benjamin? The Lord said, Judah first. Now, you might think, wow, this is a really quaint thing to do. Listen, they were going to war. So what did they do? They went up to Shiloh, the house of God, and they got to Urim Thummim. Remember that? Lights and darknesses. It was a little rock that they believe. They don't even know what it is. It's been gone. You haven't even heard about it since Acts chapter 1, where, where they tried to replace Judas, and they didn't get that right. And what they probably said is, which tribe shall go up? And, they, and then they looked at it. Was it a black side? Or, it was kind of like, it was kind of like a, a, a black on one side, white on the other, some people think. And, and, it, and God would speak through it. I think this is what it is, because they're not talking to God. They're not with God. So they kind of went up and, and tossed this rock and they said, Judah shall. Now God allowed it to come up that because Judah is first. Judah is the tribe that Jesus comes out of. He is the one that rescues. He is the one that delivers. He is the one that's out front in the war. But at least they went to the house of God, huh? So there's a start back because there's a battle. You got a battle in your life? That's when you start to go back to the house of God. That's when you start to return to prayer. That's what starts to shake you out of apostasia. But if the battle gets taken care of by some worldly influence or something else, you'll stop seeking God. 
if you don't understand that that's what the battle's about. It's always about seeking God and his face. It's not just foxhole Christianity. When there's a problem, seek God. So the children of Israel rose up in the morning and camped against Gibeah, and the men of Israel went out to battle against Benjamin. And the men of Israel put themselves in battle array to fight against them in Gibeah. Then the children of Benjamin came out of Gibeah, and on that day cut down to the ground 22,000 men of the Israelites. And the people, that is, the men of Israel, encouraged themselves and again formed the battle line in the place where they had put themselves in array on the first day. Listen to this. They encouraged themselves. Listen, what does God tell us? Don't grow weary in doing good, for in due season you shall reap if you do not lose heart. They're encouraging themselves. They just went out to battle. God said, send the tribe of Judah. They lost 22,000 men. They're 400,000 against 26,007, and they just lost 22,000 men. That's a lot of people to lose when you think you're fighting for God. God said, send Judah. They lost the battle because they're in their own strength. Look at verse 23. Then the children of Israel went up and wept before the Lord until evening and asked counsel of the Lord. Listen, they're coming back, ain't they? Watch what they're doing. The battle is driving them back to God. This ain't working out. This ain't going the way we planned it. This ain't going good in our strength. Now they don't just go up to the house and ask who shall go. They went up and they wept. Listen, we're supposed to be mourning over our sin. We're supposed to weep over our sin. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall see the kingdom of God. Not because they're crying over somebody dying, because they're crying over their sin. The mourning is over where they're at. And then they ask God for counsel. Why is this happening, Lord? What shall we do? Shall we go again and draw near to battle against the children of our brother? And the Lord said, go up against him. So the children of Israel approached the children of Benjamin on a second day. And Benjamin went out against them from Gibeah on the second day and cut down to the ground 18,000 more of the children of Israel. All, those, all these drew the sword. Are you here with me? Are you here with me? 40,000 people just died. Listen, because of apostasia. 40,000 people. Now listen, they're going to win the war. But look at the 40,000 people that died because they were in apostasy. Look at the 40,000 people that died because they had to be brought back to God. Think about all the people. Listen to me. This is all I'm saying. If the church is apostate, and it is, and we've walked away from the power of God, and we have, how many people are dying out there because we're not listening to the power of God and the salvation? Because we're not surrendering our life to the gospel and telling people about Jesus? How many people are dying? We're going to win the war. Victory is ours because we don't fight for victory. We fight from victory. Christ has already won the battle. But how many people are dying as God tries to bring our lives back to him to get underneath what he wants to do and not what we want to do? Because that's what the battle's over. He's shaking us awake. 
He wants to wake us up. Not just that we're fighting on our own. Not we're living on our own. Not we're going we're gonna to get vengeance on our own. But no, we're going to come back and weep over our sin. And we're going to cry out to God and say, how do we deal with our sin? And he's going to say, Christ set you free. He's going to say, the cross of Christ. He's going to say, turn to Christ. 40,000 people have died. And they've already thought, well, we've got enough people. We've got 400,000 against 27,000. We can win this battle. We don't need God. But God's going to show them no. It's not about how many people, how much money. It's not about anything physical. You need me. I am the power. Just like he sent Christ. We need his provision. Then all the children of Israel, that is all the people, went up and came to the house of God. Now they went to the house of God. They went to Bethel and they wept. They're mourning. They sat there before the Lord. They didn't get up and run off. They didn't say nothing. Listen, they're not even asking counsel quickly right now. Like the last verse said, notice their progression back to God. They wept. They sat before and they're spending time in the presence of God. They're fasting. They're saying, this is more important than me chasing my selfish needs, feeding my flesh, feeding me what I want. They're fasting their life. I don't know what it is that drives you. I don't know what it is you think you need. But they're giving it up right now as they sit before God. And they weep because they see people are dying. And they understand there's a battle that they cannot win without God's provision and God's power and God showing up. Because they're apostate. They sat there. They fasted until evening. Which was a new day. That's when the new day starts at evening. And then what they do, Greg? Well, they offered a burnt offering. You know what that means? A burnt offering was a full dedication. It's what we, our memory verse last week, a living sacrifice. The burnt offering was a voluntary offering where God got every bit of it, the whole animal. Full dedication. That's what Christ did. He gave himself fully to God. None of it went to anybody else. All of it went to God. So it means a dedication where you dedicate your entire being as a living sacrifice to God. You recommit completely to God. And then they did a peace offering, which was the second of the voluntary. Excuse me, it's the third of the voluntary. The second was the bread offering, which was the grain offering or the meat offering, which was Christ. It was a bread offering where you ground up the grain. The peace offering is a fellowship offering. We want to dedicate our life fully back to you, and we want to have fellowship with you. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if any man will hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. It's fellowship that God wants with his people. He doesn't need even all the work. He just wants your heart to come and fellowship with him. He can do the work. He'll do the work. He'll complete the work he started in you until the day of Christ Jesus. But he wants us to come back to our first love. He wants us to return and weep over our sin and, and trust in him and dedicate our lives to his kingdom come and be in fellowship with him. And then they ask again. Listen, once that's done, they ask and they're going to get the victory. Watch. So the children of Israel inquired of the Lord. The Ark of the Covenant of God was bef was there in those days. They're in uh, between Shiloh and Bethel. I'm not sure where they're at exactly because it kind of gives you both answers. Uh, 
And Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, stood before it in those days, saying, I shall, excuse me, shall I yet again go out to battle against the children of my brother Benjamin, or shall I cease? Now listen to this, listen to this, because it gets more intimate now. Because they've surrendered to God, and they're looking to God, and they want the counsel of God, and they understand that it's about God, and they've returned to God, now they understand this is their brother. And now they're even willing to stop the war in the physical because they see what's going on. And there's some casualties. Now they're willing to put to death their own ideas, their own flesh. And they said, should we go up again or should we just cease? Because you need to cease from your own work in order to enter into God's work. And the Lord said, go up for tomorrow I will deliver. That's what we want is deliverance. Don't give up now. God's ready to deliver them into your hand. Then Israel set men in ambush all around. Watch, they're going to get counsel. See, they didn't, they didn't just make this up. They're seeking God. They're asking God. God gives them counsel that's much like when they took Ai and, and had lost men in the victories. And then they go back and they're going to set up an ambush and they're going to trick them to come out of the city and then they're going to kill them all. Except for 600 men. So the third day, oh, it just so happens to be the third day. And the children of Israel went up against the children of Benjamin on the third day. Just happens to be about the third day. And put themselves in battle array against Gibeah and the other, as at other times. So the children of Benjamin went out against the people and were drawn away from the city. They began to strike down and kill some of the people as at the other times in the highways one of which goes up to Bethel, that's the house of God that we talked about, and the other to Gibeah, and in the field about 30 men of Israel. And the children of Benjamin said, They are defeated before us as at the first. But the children of Israel said, Let us flee and draw them away from the city to the highways. So all the men of Israel rose from their place and put themselves in battle array at Baal Tamar, then Israel's men in ambush burst forth from their position on the plain of Gibeah, and 10,000 select men from all Israel came against Gibeah, and the battle was fierce, but the Benjamites did not know that disaster was upon them. The Lord defeated them. Listen, 400,000 men didn't defeat them. 360,000 men didn't defeat them. It doesn't matter how many people you think is on your side. The Lord is the one that defeated Benjamin because of their sin, because of their actions, because of what they did. The Lord defeated Benjamin before those governed by God, before Israel. And the children of Israel destroyed that day 25,100 Benjamites. All these drew the sword. Now, I just, I just want to, I, I know we're running late. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but it's a text that we got to get to. Listen, I want to just tell you something. Notice the tactic. Because this is the thing that drives me nuts about Christianity is that we think we can stay where we're always at and still be Christians. Notice the ambush tactic that they use. Listen to me. If you want to win your friends and family and other people to the Lord, draw them away by leaving. Don't go to fellowship with them. Let them come out of the city, out of the stronghold, out of the places they're at to find out when they see your life. And then you ambush them with the gospel. 
Be wise as a serpent and gentle as a dove. Listen to me. You need them to see your life. And if you stay in the life with them and say, I'm okay, you get caught back up and destroyed. You have to come out from among them. That's what the ecclesia is. That's when you agree with God's determined will to call you out. You can't stay with them. And that's why a lot of people, well, we love them so much and they're so good and we just got to stay there. No, you are going to die there if you stay there. You have to come out and listen to the voice of God and spend time with God. Let God bless your life and change your life and give you wisdom so that you can minister to them when they come and say, what's going on? Is it the family reunion? What's going on when it's at somebody's funeral? What, what have you been doing when it's at some other thing that you can see them at and they see you are different now? Believe me, you have to come out and then ambush them with the gospel. 25,100 people. They only got 26,700, right? That was the number they had. That's with the Benjamin and the Gibeonites. So the children of Benjamin saw that they were defeated. They seen the defeat. The men of Israel had given ground to the Benjamites because they relied on the men in ambush who they had set against Gibeah. And the men in ambush quickly rushed upon the Gibeah. The men of ambush spread out and struck the whole city with the edge of the sword. Whole city was one. Killed. Dead. Now the appointed signal between the men of Israel and the men in ambush was that they would make a great cloud of smoke rise up from the city, whereupon the men of Israel would turn to battle. Now Benjamin had begun to strike and kill about 30 of the men of Israel, for they said, Surely they are defeated before us as in the first battle. But when the cloud began to rise from the city of the column of smoke, the Benjamites looked behind them, and there was the whole city going up in smoke as they have. Remember Ai when this happened? Just think if they're thinking, remember Scripture? Remember what they did? Remember what happened when God first brought us in? I mean, just think if they're rehearsing the stories and they did the same thing because they knew the word of God. And when the men of Israel turned back, the men, the men of Benjamin panicked, for they saw the disaster had come upon them. Therefore they turned their backs before the men of Israel in the direction of the wilderness. But the battle overtook them, and whoever came out of the cities, they destroyed in their midst. They surrounded the Benjamites, chased them, and easily trampled them down as far as the front of Gibeah toward the east. And 18,000 men of Benjamin fell, and all these were men of valor. Then they turned and fled toward the wilderness to the rock of Rimmon, and they were cut down 5,000 of them on the highways. There's 23,000. Then they pursued them relentlessly to Gidom and killed 2,000, 25,000. So they all fell of Benjamin that day were about 25,000. It's not a contradiction. He's kind of rounding. Men who drew the sword. All these were men of valor. But 600 men turned and fled toward the wilderness of the rock of Rimmon, and they stayed at the Rock of Rimmon for four months. So that would tell us that if there's 600 that got away, you had 25 one, that's 25 seven, about a thousand people must have died in the first two days battle when they were attacking and killed the 40,000 Israelites. They about lost, they probably lost about a thousand of those men. Is that math right? That we give you all the men. There's none missing, they're all there. And the men, verse 48, and the men of Israel turned back against the children of Benjamin and struck them down with the edge of the sword. For from every city, men and beast, all were found. They also set fire to all the cities they came to. Now, I want to tell you something here. I wanted to get to chapter 21, and we're way late. We're not going to do it. We'll do it in a couple of weeks. I want to tell you that it leaves something out here on purpose. 
It doesn't tell you about the women being killed. It's purposely left out. I don't know. But I'm telling you, in the next text, chapter 21, there is only, all the cities are burnt down, everybody's dead, except for these 600 men. And then they begin to mourn, is what the next chapter is about, over what they just did. And one of the tribes of Israel is going to be destroyed and gone if they don't do something about it. So they have to find them wives so they can repopulate. So the women and children were killed too. These places were thoroughly destroyed. Because you have to wipe out sin thoroughly in the camp. And that's what happened. I wish we could have got to it, uh, but I talked too much. So um, we'll do 21 and close out the book of Judges in a couple weeks. You can read it for... Um, For your own study it's going to close that there's no king in Israel and everyone did what was right in his own eyes that's how we're getting there are you still doing what feels good what you think is good are you still doing what's right in your own eyes or are you allowing God to give you wisdom as you weep over your sin you mourn over your sin as you dedicate your life to him as you draw near to him in the throne room as you get rid of the things in your life that you know are not pleasing to him so that he can give you wisdom that the battle is already won at the cross of Christ it's finished, it's done all we have to do is rest in it and walk according to his spirit and pick up the spoils of the inheritance that's it just rest in it. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the victory. Thank you that we don't have to be ashamed of the gospel, the good news, because it's your power and the deliverance from the old nature, deliverance from the curse, deliverance from your wrath that you're going to pour out on the sons of disobedience. Lord, help us to rest in your finished work and to look for Jesus. Look for the righteousness that's been revealed by the cross from faith to faith because we know your word tells us that if we're justified by Jesus' blood, then we should live by faith. And faith without action, faith without your works, is dead faith. It's not faith at all. So Lord, thank you for calling us to go on mission with you. May we live a life of crucified with Christ. May we understand that we have died with Christ. And may we raise in the newness of life and fight a battle that you have given us to fight where we stand and watch your salvation, watch your deliverance in every area of our life and in other people's lives. Pour out your spirit, Lord. Send us and give us a voice. In Jesus' name.